Life is hectic, demanding, and doesn't stop. When honest with ourselves, we must confess we often don't know what the hell we're doing. The LARCast is an ongoing conversation about the inclusive and mischievous nature of God's presence through the lens of all the things that make up this phenomenon we refer to as life. Astonishing grace and refreshing honesty collide right here for your weekly encouragement. Welcome back to the LARCast. A special hello to all of you LARCs out there joining us today. We wish you well. We hope your day is going uh, well. I mean, you're listening to the LARCast right now, so you know your day. You know your day is about to be good. Yeah, man. You know you're about to get that, that encouragement from good news. And that's what we do here at the LARCast. We do good news <laughs> for those who got the blues. For those who got the blues, man. We do and good news for those clues. who got the blues. <laughs> those who woke up this morning trying to get some more snooze. <laughs> <laughs> Russ got bars this morning, dude. <laughs> All you fellas out there. <laughs> we got good news for those who got church blues. Yeah. Spiritual blues. Religious blues. Man. Um uh, I, think a it, lot. I think it needs to be said, man, like of who we really do this for when we say all you larks out there, like if you're tuning in, you're checking out the lark cast and you're like a senior pastor, a Bible study leader, small group leader at your church, a deacon, someone who just like loves his local church, her local church. You like love staff meetings. You can't wait to get like the bulletin to see like where the church is at and the yearly budget. You just like, you love your church. Like you're just like love and life in the church world. We love you. We oh, love yes. you. And we're glad that you're, we're glad that you're, you're here. But man, the people that tune into the Lark cast, they got a little bit something different going on spiritually. Yeah. Some discouragement, some disillusionment, some hurts, hurts. even. Yeah. 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 Some hurts, even. Weary. I find that, yeah, I find that um, a lot of people can very easily um, discount like a, a tribe like ours and people who have like left the, the church in the West, like the institutional church, and are opting just to experience the church in, in friendship. Um, just fighting to cling to Jesus still and not walk away from the whole thing. Yeah. Um, it's very easy to just kind of like paint that with this broad stroke of like, oh, they just got church hurts. Yep. And then just like discount, you know, everything. For some reason that that blame or that all blesses heart, you know, sort of mentality, it always falls on the individual who got fried, who got burnt out, who got hurt. Who got wounded, who was exhausted, who couldn't keep up with all the shoulds and to do's that you got every week. Mm -hmm. It never falls on the institution that perpetuates a religion that Jesus buried 2000 years ago. Yes. Which is really odd, but that seems to be the story 
So yes, if you love the bulletin and you're here, we're glad you're yes. here. And we do love you. And we've been where you are. Mm -hmm. But the Lark Tribe has been mainly growing. Seems like on a pretty weekly basis from the feedback and the emails we've been getting, which is pretty, you know, really exciting. But it's people who struggle with the institutional religion, people who have left it, people who never wanted anything to do with it. In the first place, yeah. Yep. But they want Jesus. Yeah. They want the freedom that Jesus has proclaimed. And they want yeah. to live into that freedom. And that is what we are here for. Mm -hmm. And if you, you know, if you're wanting to know a little bit about, about us, like we're just a couple of dudes that used to live in that world and we're pretty damn successful in that world. Mm -hmm. Um, we weren't, um, uh, church failures. <laughs> um, we both, uh, we both just got a, a sense of a, just a burning in our hearts for yeah. a certain kind of person who would never walk through the doors of your local church. And the question of how can this scandalous news, um, this insanely good news get out to people who mm. would never come listen to even us, a couple yeah. of cool, a couple of cool tattooed bearded dudes <laughs> who are pretty good at cracking funnies and sermons, you know, <laughs> like, and they weren't even coming to listen, you know, to us. And bro, if we had a just, dollar for everybody who came to us and said, Hey, I got a brother-in-law that really needs yes. to have a beer with you. Yes. <laughs> we would 100%. be very, very rich man. Right. Right. Yep. Totally. Oh, he'll listen to you. He'll listen yep. to you. She'll listen to you. Yep. Um, but uh no, it's a pretty neat tribe we have. So I just feel like I I kind of we kind of need to say that. Um, cause you know, you know, we, we, I think this is like, you know, some 90th episode or something like yeah. that. I'm not really sure exactly getting up there, what, what number it is. And there's a whole backlog of conversation leading up to this point. And even we've been in the gospel of John and we're in the very last chapter. We're closing out John today. And sometimes it can be hard initially for people to grab onto man. Like what, what, what is the what are these guys angle? You know, what, what's the, what's the point of this large cast? Why does this exist? We're not trying to um, appeal to the institution. Um, we're not going to sit here and tell you to leave your church. We're not going to do that. We'll um, suggest it. <laughs> depending, <laughs> yes. Depending on which one it is. Um, Just from our experience. Yeah. Yes. We might, we might suggest it based on where you're at. Yeah. Nine out of 10 I, times we have suggested, like maybe <laughs> the very best thing for you to do is go live in the freedom of Jesus. As in like, just go live and walk with Jesus and pass on good news. See what God does. <laughs> oh man. Sorry. I just, no, you're fine, dude. You're just fine. Gotta, I just got to say it. Yeah, you're fine. What I'm saying is that, yes, when someone is finally there, you know, um, but I'm not, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to sour the faith of, you know, Billy and Susie, you know, who are just loving life, walking into the doors of a church on a Sunday with a hop in their step and they got their Bible in a nice, like custom quilted, you know, carrying case from their aunt from their aunt aunt millie 
I'm not, I'm not here to ruin that person's world, dude. I never laugh. I, I feel like I have to just say this. So we did like a hundred and what fifty episodes, man, and slow down podcast. I think it was like a thousand fifty. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a lot. It was a lot. And we moved in, transitioned everything into the Lark World, Lark Cast, and then an additional night, like ninety episodes. We've had lots of conversations and traveling and teaching together. Yes. For like eight, nine years now. Um. But I never am. I. I'm not, I, I have to say this because I think sometimes people think we're laughing like at someone and it's, and I, and it's never the case. We're actually not, I'm not laughing at all at the person who's skipping into an institutional church, you know, on Sunday, but I can't keep a straight face on and inevitably laugh whenever we're in front of people on a stage or in a living room or backyard party or on the podcast is always because of the names you come up with, dude, when you tell these stories. <laughs> like, Aunt M- got this from Aunt Millie. Like, that's when I start to laugh. And then I always get accused of, like, Aunt Millie, dude. I've got a nephew has a quilted Bible. And I'm like, I'm not laughing at your nephew. I'm laughing at the name Aunt Millie. Bro, my but first, dude, my never first Bible, <laughs> I had a, this, like, brown pleather like case dude it was this thick freaking Ryrie study bible but aunt millie she's always picking out those good floral prints man you know and <laughs> when she was good 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 prints <laughs> when she was on her game like I, she first started with just the you know the cover but then she started to add handles those handles yeah. dude well that thing's heavy bro <laughs> <laughs> I know you you carried a book bag with like a biology book in it that weighed like a 12 pound dumbbell along with other books. And now you're carrying just a Bible and you're like, oh, where's the handle for this thing? Yeah. But yeah, she added handles and that became cool. Dude, when I became a believer, um, I was 19. Krista was 19. We were almost 20. We were, um, she was pregnant with our first Blake. We were engaged. We got married right after he was born. And during that whole journey, like I said, I became a, a believer in Jesus, started coming home and reading the scriptures and passing on to her what I was learning from this guy, a friend of mine that I was working with. And she's grabbing onto it. And we're having all these conversations. She's because of her background and what she experienced. Like the last thing she's ever doing is going to a church service. Um, it was really cool, like just how God met us in this, you know, this journey. Mm-hmm. But I remember. I told her, I'm like, I need a real Bible because all I had was this little Gideon Bible, like New Testament pocket size Psalm Proverbs. They get they give them to everybody when you go to boot camp. So when I left for boot camp, like the day I got there, like I got this thing. Well, I kept it and it's real small. That's all I have. And I'm like, I need a Bible. I need a Bible. And she's like, I'll never forget this. She looks at me. She goes, that's fine. I'm for saving money and your birthday's coming up and I'm going to get you a Bible. And I'll even go to the Bible bookstore that they apparently they have. She goes, and I'll buy it for you. But I am not walking up there pregnant, not married, and asking them to put your name on that Bible. That is so awesome. Like, adamant. She was could never in a million years walk up to the counter. They would just know. They would just know. Oh. So you're not yet a believer in Jesus. 
Since yeah, because you don't married. have your, you don't you don't have your personally branded Bible yet for this dude that apparently just knocked you up. You're buying up this Bible, hoping he'll convert because <laughs> you're stuck now. <laughs> she was so she laughed. Oh, pray, pray, pray for that girl. But she pray was for that so girl. Adamant. Oh man! Big shout out to Krista. I don't. There's very few people that make me laugh very hard and very loud, and Chris is one of them. <laughs> but she did it, bro. I woke up on my birthday, man, and I had a new Bible with uh, Russ Johnson right there in gold in the bottom left corner. Yeah, dude. That's what I'm talking about. I love that, man. I love that. Um, well. All this ties in, actually, just so everybody's listening, in case you're wondering, like, when do we get to the show? Like, this is the show. This is it. Like, these are the stories, man, and the backgrounds and the perceptions and just all the religiosity that runs in our veins and in the veins of all the people who listen in. Yes. That Jesus is undoing, that we've been trying to unpack and help people really find freedom from throughout mm-hmm. this Gospel of John. Yeah. It's so far proven to be probably my favorite book in the Bible now that we've yes. taken the time to, to journey mm-hmm. through it. Yeah, and same, man. This is the last chapter. This is like, and it's funny how the author seems to pull it all together and ends with how it begins. Yeah. Um, John 21, for those who are following um, along. And it's this really cool exclamation mark um, on on the end of, uh, of a long journey here. And it centers around Jesus and his relationship with the disciples. At the beginning of the chapter, it tells us that Jesus appeared to the disciples and most of them he's already seen and appeared to, but in John's gospel, this is the first recorded interaction that he has with Peter since Peter's denial. And so for the purpose of our conversation today, we're really going to hone in on um, what like the chapter does. The weight of the chapter uh, focuses on Peter's interaction with Jesus. But we find the disciples um, after the resurrection and even some know that he's raised even in 20. You know, he has the whole thing in, in the upper room, we presume where Thomas is kind of doubting. He goes, all right, Thomas, come over here, put your, put your hand on my side, you know, feel my, feel my hands and has this cool moment where he helps him. He's helping him believe. And that's just like Jesus, man. We're just, we're just so faithless and we just struggle with faith so bad. Uh, And you even see it in the disciples after the resurrection, which, which is why for us at Lark, we're not so we're not so concerned about the quality of your faith as much as we make a big deal about the object of our faith which is Jesus because even if you grab onto him wholeheartedly with everything you got or if you're barely grabbing on the only thing he calls us to is to trust with whatever we can and so that can be a big faith that can be a simple faith. And so like with Thomas, he's just like, yeah, I'm not convinced mm-hmm. he's patient and he takes the time. Right. And so <clears throat> he's revealing himself again to the disciples, but it's interesting. They find themselves just like on a very normal, I don't know what day it is, but uh, like what seems to be like just a normal, like Saturday activity. They all just like hop in a boat, man, and go back to their old, 
their old ways, their old professions, the things that they knew and were familiar with before they got entangled with this dude named Jesus. So they're out fishing Mm. and they go all night fishing nets, right? Yeah. And they, they catch nothing. They catch nothing. And they're just about to just call it quits. They're heading towards the shore. And um, there's Jesus, but he's kind of like under, he's again, he's, he's, he's hiding himself similar to what he did on resurrection, you know, the resurrection morning with Mary as he's hiding himself, you know, as a gardener, he's kind of hidden at first and he reaches, (laughs) he calls out. And if he was a Southerner, he would be like, you boys catch anything. (laughs) (laughs) You boys caught anything out there. What y'all know? Good. (laughs) By the way, that ends with a question mark. (laughs) My my dad asked that. He was just in town and he just asked somebody in my my house yesterday, what you know? Good. (laughs) I'm not following. I have no idea what that means. I don't know what that means. (laughs) Big shout out to your dad, by the way, huge Duke fan. That's how you sent me a video of him dialed in on, on that ACC tournament. Get all the wires running to computers outside, asking me to hook these contraptions up so I can smoke my cigar and watch this ball game. Amazing! <laughs> Big shout out to Mister Johnson. Um, so they're 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 about ready to to call it quits, man. And and Jesus calls out and asks them if they caught anything, and uh, they kind of yell no, and he tells them, "Cast your net on the right side of the boat." And as soon as they do that, they pull in a massive amount of fish. And at that moment, they knew who exactly who he was. Yeah. And um, I think it's John says, you know, it's it's him. And the focus from there goes immediately to Peter. And so here's Peter. He hasn't seen him since his betrayal. And you know, at least in John's gospel, and you know, he's just wrestling, man, with the guilt of all that. Yeah. Carrying it around, carrying carrying it around with a weight similar to a massive ESV study Bible that needs a custom carrying case with handles. That's how, (laughs) that's how heavy this dude's guilt is. He's got a cramp in his shoulder. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And the beauty of the moment is Peter, it says that he kind of like stripped himself of all this kind of like fishing or his like outer garments because he was fishing. He throws, which this doesn't make sense to me, like throws on more like clothes and then jumps into the water. I'm like, it's just a miracle that Peter didn't drown (laughs) on the way. He said, because John said that the boat's out about a hundred yards, a hundred yards. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is a lot. Yeah, this dude's so in he, shape. Yes. Just yes. Saying. So he jumps in and he swims. He swims to the shore and Jesus has breakfast, a hot fire and breakfast waiting for these dudes. And it's just, it's just a beautiful picture, especially for Peter, for sure. Yeah. Because we ask ourselves, what, what sort of posture does God have toward me in light of my failures? Mm-hmm. How is God going to treat me in light of my massive faithlessness 
and to the point of denying him. Like this is, you know, I think there, I think there's a, a religious term for just straight up like denying, you know, mm-hmm. Jesus apostasy, maybe yep. betrayal. Yep. And you come to find out he's got breakfast waiting for you. He, he, he's expecting you yeah. wants to invite you in. Um, I mean, I don't know the last time an enemy made breakfast, you know, for me, only people who care for me and love me and want to welcome me in. And so this is what we have. And I think it's very beautiful because if you know the scriptures, you know that this is a very similar scenario of how Peter met Jesus. Peter met Jesus early on in the gospels while he was out fishing. Same scenario. They toiled all night, caught nothing. Jesus was kind of getting pressed up against the water because of crowds. And he jumps inside Peter's boat. And Peter's like, listen, dude, like, can you please get out of my boat? I've been fishing all night. I caught nothing. I'm not happy at all. I'm I'm irritable. I'm tired. I feel like a failure. I just want to go home, go to bed, and get after it, you know, again the next day. And Jesus says to him, cast your net over there. And he says, like, yeah, that doesn't make sense, dude. It's already bright out. Like, we've been doing this all night. Like, why? Like, this is no, there's no point to this. And he does the same thing and pulls in so many fish that his boat starts sinking. Mm-hmm. And Peter's reaction to Jesus in that moment, this is how he met him. Peter's reaction to Jesus in that moment is he gets down on his knees and says, Lord, depart from me, for I'm a man of unclean lips. Which is significant in regards to how this book ends yes because instead of falling on his knees and saying depart from me from a man of unclean lips even in his biggest failure of everything that they've experienced together peter now instead of dropping to his knees jumps into the water and races to shore to meet him and there's something there i can't quite put words to it but there's something there's something there. He's moved away from this unapproachable, too holy figure to be in his presence to this idea of a loving friend, a loving Lord who he's drawn to, who he knows he can return to. There's something about grace here. Yes, the the the, the law in Scripture, what God has declared to be right, good, holy, um, that hasn't gone anywhere. We've said that a million times, and it's not going anywhere. But what Jesus shows up and reveals to us is that although there is a picture and a in a reality of what is good, your ability to walk in it has no bearing upon how God sees you, mm-hmm. why he created you, what he created you for, okay? And I think Jesus has been unveiling the, the very nature of God himself because he is God, right? He's part of the Trinity. He's God in flesh walking among us, God the Son. And he's been unpacking over and over and over and over again for Peter and the rest of them what the father's actually like. He's not someone to fear and hide from like a grumpy landlord or an irritable boss with a small man syndrome. You know, he's he's not this at all. He's not a bloodthirsty father who, you know, had to slay a son just so he could be in your presence. Yeah. And I think what we're seeing here is Peter learning 
okay, throughout the course of his journey, he has this perception, I think, of God that when he, when a miracle happens in front of him, when he meets Jesus, it's depart from me. In other words, get away from me. Let me get away from you. I am unworthy to even be here. Right. To what you just said, man, that over this course of his life, despite his known public failure of denying Jesus publicly, right? Three times when he sees him, dude, he jumps out of the boat and races to him. Like grace has made a, has done a work in his life. Yeah. The, the scandal of it, that God's love has hit home. Yeah. And it's like, it's interesting because that's kind of the behavior someone would have towards someone that they love when they see them or haven't seen them for a while they would run to to greet them not like you know maybe you might send a text okay cool like let's meet up you come in you're a little bit guarded you know yeah. you've kind of failed let's see how this dude reacts let's no. see how the conversation goes like he races to the shore and that's interesting to me because that is a sign of peter loving jesus he loves him he wants to see him he wants to greet him but then there's this interaction after breakfast where Peter is pulled aside by Jesus. And it's this famous like yeah. conversation where Jesus is asking Peter, do you love me? And up until this point, you guys know, Peter, he's kind of like, he's always the first to talk, which is why he's putting his foot in his mouth all the time. He doesn't yeah. really like, he doesn't, he just, he's impulsive. He just acts. He just speaks without thinking. And he's the one when Jesus gets arrested, pulls a sword out of a Roman soldier's, you know, sheath and mm -hmm. lobs a dude's ear off. Like he's just this like ride or die impulsive, like just, you know, just get after it. And I think with that is comes a lot of like, just um, maybe some posturing or maybe some sentiments about what ought to be. Peter is very much a what ought to be kind of a person. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, <clears throat> you know, and so he pulls him aside and Jesus starts asking him like, you know, Peter, do you love me? And he goes, yeah, I love you. And he asks him again, Peter, do you love me? And he's like, well, of course. And the third time is pretty significant. He goes, Peter, do you love me? And I love Peter's response. It says that he became grieved. And he answers and says, Lord, you know everything about me. I love that phrase. He's like, you know everything about me. I love you. And I love that because I think I see in that moment, Peter kind of like dying to that what ought to be constantly kind of like, I will never deny you. You know, I'm never going to do that. Yep. And he finally, after his failure, I think he's starting to see like the reality of who he really is, is setting in. And he's not this shining example of faith. He's not this shining example of faithfulness. He knows he's broken. He knows he's just an every day dude he can't keep up the charades anymore and he just looks at him and he goes ah, dude i i i can't pretend around you man hmm. you know me you know me 
And you know, deep down in all the shite of my life, you know that I I love you. I think it's a really cool, like transparent moment for yeah. for Peter. Yeah, it has to be, man. I mean, Romans is pretty plain. It's the kindness of God, right? That leads to repentance. For me, growing up in religious circles, as an adult, just, you know, to be clear, probably similar to Peter's growing up, you sort of have this idea that um, it's the fear of God's wrath that leads to the behavior that should be. Because when we hear the word repentance, for some reason, like behavior is always what comes to mind. I just spent last weekend in circles with a number of Christian leaders, and they just endlessly adamant that repentance is a change of behavior. And of course, I'm like, guys, the word literally means change of mind, attitude, belief. The word behavior is nowhere in it. It doesn't mean that out of a new heart and a new belief, right, that, that we start to walk in more beautiful things, by all means, amen. That's called fruit of the Spirit, not fruit of you. And I'm looking at this and going, no, it, it wasn't the the this fear of God's wrath that led to this change and all these things in Peter. It's, it's No, it's what Romans says. It was the kindness and experiencing of that kindness over and over and over and over, man, through life and practice and his own failures and the stories that Jesus was endlessly telling, parables. I think all that led to the change of mind that you see from Peter's first interaction with Jesus to his last. Yeah. The ability to look at him and for the first time, not I'll never walk away. I'll never deny. We'll fight to the death. You know, these things that you find Peter feeling and saying is now, man, I got nothing. Yeah. You know it all. Yeah. You know it all. That's exactly but I, how. But I, I do love that. you. But I do mm -hmm. love you. And it's cool. Like it's, this goes beyond absolving him, to be clear. This isn't, this isn't Jesus, you know, absolving Peter right, of his, of his guilt. That was all taken care of on the cross. He's the lamb, right, who was slain before the foundation of the world, the lamb who took away, takes away the sins of the world. Yeah. Forgiven. Or, or you've heard it like restoring. Yeah, Peter. he's restoring. To like a position, to, to an apostle position. Yeah. A couple of things to note here. First, don't read too much into this. It's something I, I always try to to tell people, and I, I say this just from reading theologians who say, don't read too much into this. Okay. At the same time, it is there. You do see the words in Greek. We don't, we say love in English, but in Greek, there's three words primarily used for the word love okay, that would be translated. And two are used in this set, in this whole setting. All right. I don't think we need to read too much into it, but I do think there is something there that's worth like just seeing that yeah, maybe this, this could be. Um, in Jesus's first time, he says, do you love me? It's agape, like unconditional. And Peter's response is, yes, I love you, which and he uses the word phileo, which is like brotherly love. And then Jesus says again, agape, do you love me? Agape, unconditional. Peter responds with the word phileo. Yes, I love you, brotherly love. But the third time, Jesus uses the word phileo. Do you love me? Lord, you know everything. I got nowhere else to go. And yes, I love you. So some theologians look at that and say it's almost like Jesus is sort of meeting Peter where he's at. 
Well, he can't say he agapes him. That's like where he's at. Like, well, yeah, I don't agape you, bro. I just denied you three times. Right. And so he's being honest about his level of love. Yep. I I just think there's something beautiful in that. That isn't when when you can't build a house on that, but you can take it into consideration. Like it's it's within the text. No, for sure. Like when you are talking to the person who knows everything about you, there's no posturing. And that's what I think is beautiful. Right. Is like in this, the nature of this relationship, it removes all religious posturing. Yeah. All it goes beyond the absolving because he's not just result absolving him. He's, he's, he's dude, he's bringing this fallen known fallen dude right into immediate. Right. Um, be a part of my story and what I'm doing in the world. Yeah. And not secondary. Peter's the one who speaks later on. That's coming up in just a few days and acts, right? Mm-hmm. Pentecost, the one who preaches and 3000 people become believers. Like, I mean, this guy is, is used tip of the spear, man. Day one. Yes. Which is why when Jesus says to him, you love me? Yes. I love you. Okay. Feed my sheep. The word there, it's a verb. It's like, it, it means like tend, tend to my sheep. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it also can denote like carry on. So he's saying like tend to them, carry on in what I'm what I'm doing in the world. You'll you'll be you're gonna be doing in me. Feed my sheep. And of course, you know, people read that and are like, yeah, man, that's so cool for Peter. I'm not him though, because you know, I don't have like all the speaking abilities to, you know, to feed the sheep. <laughs> and so I just feel like there's always like a little nugget there, like, well, just in case you didn't grow up in, in a rural setting, um, shepherds don't uh pull grass out of the ground and shove it in sheep's mouths. I know like within the, the Christian circles we've grown up in, that's what we think of as like feed is, is to, is, is that, but shepherds actually just, they just lead them into places where they feed themselves. And he's telling Peter this dude, right on the heels of his public denial three times, I'm going to meet you where you are in love. I know that you love me. And I'm not, and this isn't just like eat breakfast with me. And maybe down the road, you could be, you could be involved in the work of my kingdom. Dude, it's day one, day one, lead others to a place where they can know me, where they can experience me. Yeah. And I do, I do think it's, I think it's great that when Jesus gives shape to what that love would look like its involvement with people. Yeah. People. Yep. Relationships. Friendships. Friendships. Noble concept. You know, like for God so loved the world, like people. Mm-hmm. And um yeah, that's what he's inviting them into. Jump in yeah. with people. Cause my heart is for for people. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't come to condemn, right? We've seen that in John. I came to save. Mm-hmm. My will is that they believe. Mm-hmm. Go yeah. help them believe. Go help and, them see what I'm like. Right. And um, I think that that might be at the heart of some of our, um, I think the thing that probably burdened us the most as leaders is that people were involved, but they were kind of like more like spectators. They were like people who kind of like came and observed and like consumed a thing. 
and friendships happened, but it wasn't the point. It wasn't, it wasn't the focus. It wasn't the, the emphasis. And so it was kind of wild for us to discover, man, in some scenarios for us in particular, if we really wanted to jump in with people, especially the kind of sheep that aren't signing up, you know, to hit the synagogue at 8 a.m., 10 a.m., or, you know, 1130, um, which, which make no mistake, when Jesus says, tend my sheep, later on in Peter's story, that includes a Roman soldier of the Italian cohort named Cornelius. Yeah. And if you know Peter's history with Roman soldiers, it's not good. And so part of this tend my sheep, feed my sheep, includes Peter going on a long, long journey where Jesus continues to dismantle his religion just so he can get to the point where he can take one foot and step inside of a Gentile's house and share a meal. Yeah. Yeah. Later on in the story, man, he's that, that religious nature that, that, um, I matter when the tribe that I've ascribed to says I matter. And therefore I walk in step with all that they believe. So eventually, right. Peter finds himself aligning with the Jewish culture and turning his nose up to the Gentile to the point where the apostle Paul just straight out calls him a racist. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and to repent of his unbelief. Right. Which plays into what you were just saying. So I think you're spot on, man. Like the beauty of this story is not just the transformation of Peter's understanding of God. Okay. And an understanding of himself within that relationship right through up to this point, but then even where in joining in what Jesus is doing in the world, friendship, passing yeah. on good news, he continues, right, to dismantle yeah. the religion in his life. And that's you, that's me, that's all of us. I connect with Peter's story arc more than any other disciple. And even into all the way into Acts 10 with the story of Cornelius. And so it's just interesting to me, like, he's like, 10 my sheep. And it's like, I don't even think in this moment, like Peter realizes like who these sheep are about to be. Yeah. (laughs) And how much of him still needs to be undone, you know, to realize that Jesus wasn't kidding when he said that he's come not to condemn the world, but to save the world and that he loves the world. Yeah. Like all people. Like like all people. Yeah, really, really brings into question, man, just the exclusive nature of institutions, man, right? How we operate, and you can just see it across the board, but I think there's, because even if you, you know, you keep following this story, eventually, you know, Jesus is pretty plain in telling Peter, like, man, there's a, there's, there's probably some, a brutal ending to your temporary life on this earth that's in front of you. Yeah. He'll be stretched out. And as according to, you know, history was crucified upside down for his proclamation of Jesus as Lord. And I think in that moment, it's just kind of neat because Peter's like, yeah, but, uh, but what about this guy, man? Like, what's gonna, he's like pointing to John, what's gonna happen to him? Like, is this like some kind of retribution still that I'm going to have to face because of what I've done? And of course, Jesus is like, no, and all the disciples, if you follow the story, they all lose their lives for the proclamation of good news. Um, 
but uh i love like jesus's response to him right it's like that's none of your business yeah and i'm just gonna say man like there's a lot of lessons within all this but for me that's one of the most that is the the one i would put at the bottom of my list of of importance probably a few years back that is now up toward the top in the in, as far as significance goes in this mm -hmm. last chapter for me there's when you look at like within ministries and i think the goals and some specific things that you see and want to do are always good and beautiful um and worthy to pursue you just have to be cautious right with visions vision statements mm. all these things that we're going to see happen and do it's like eventually you have to get to a point where you find the freedom and realizing this isn't your story. And I think that's what Jesus is saying here. Hmm. What I'm go doing and going to do is not, is not dependent upon you. Hmm. And most of it's none of your business. <laughs> Fruit is above your pay grade. Yeah. It comes from someone else at work and people that I love. Hmm. I've invited you to come play along a quote yeah. that we used to right say a lot in the in the early days i forget who it was from but to trip into the beautiful mystery of what i'm doing in someone else's life yeah on my timetable not yours yeah so what he essentially tells peter is you just focus in on me and what we're doing and what i'm doing in others lives that i've invited you into and that's it yeah feeding is something you can partake in yeah. Everything else is above your pay grade. Let right. it go. And well, I just found that to be like yeah. just encouraging. Well, that sparked, even. that sparked another thought for me is like, you know, we're always worried about like, well, what, what, what's going on with this other dude? What's going to happen? <laughs> what's going to happen, you know, over here? Um, It's like the expectation of others too about your story, mm -hmm. not only your own expectation but for people who you know like for me i left you know the institutional thing in 2016 um and you know for you know we're coming up on you know seven years of me just kind of embracing just <laughs> me just being an everyday person like where i live and really longing and loving those opportunities when a door opens to be able to have the conversation of Jesus, mm -hmm. but kind of like dying to a lot of the ambition, knowing, knowing what that does to you and the burden it places on others when you rally people, you know, around that. Um, but every once in a while I still see people in my community who are like, Hey, wh like, what are you doing now? Yeah. What are you doing these days? Give us an update so we can yeah. maybe give a check mark finally. Yeah. And you're always presented with these opportunities. So you have this internal, like, man, dude, should I be doing more? You know what I'm saying? And so the myth yeah. of what we just talked about, like the myth of this is something we're doing. Um, and the burden you place on yourself and the expectation you have of others and the feeling the need to give an answer for something yeah. is very, very real. It is. We want, I mean, it's right there. Peter just got, he sees Jesus races out to him, right? Jesus. I mean, he's back from the, from the grave, man. And he's not, he's not 
putting together this extravagant celebration service for everyone to come to. And so he's making breakfast for his friends <laughs> and you have Peter coming to him and this whole exchange of love, man. And, and just being in awe of that, but yet still there's that sh shoot for like, dang control, right? Mm -hmm. Like it just creeps right back up. Just like yeah. that. Just like that. dude. What, right. what about them? What about them? None of your business. Mm. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Don't worry about great. it. You're, that's in here. You're free. Yes. In me, you're free to live and to love and to pass on good news and watch me work in others' lives while I keep working in yours. It's that simple. Yep. And people think that that is such a freaking cop out to walk in freedom. It yeah. is the most violent thing. It will wage war on the deepest parts of your being that want to control everything. Yes. Oh, yep. freedom. Oh, how convenient. You yeah. get to just do whatever you want. Bruh, have you tried to walk in freedom? <laughs> right? <laughs> There's a reason why God shows up in flesh and declares freedom and then we crucified him. <laughs> bruh, bruh. Have you tried to walk in this freedom? Because yeah. everything, every fiber, every fiber of my old man wants to fight it every yes. damn step of the way. Yep. I constantly want something that I can measure, map, and manage for that sense of control, that sense of peace, that sense of accomplishment, that sense of justification. And if we can't find it in, in, you know, within like the broader schemes of what's going on in the world, we'll try to find it in a church. And we can't try to find it within an institutional church. We'll try to find it in our family's belonging and all the participation within an institutional church. And I'm just saying like, we will constantly reach for this. Peter just reached for it again. Think yep. about that. And so we just want to say this isn't easy, but it is simple. It is beautiful. And the truth is it's, it's the only life that Jesus has actually given you. This other one that you're constantly trying to construct. Yes, <laughs> it is. It is easier, um, but it's just not real. It's a myth. It's more comfortable. Yeah. The old man embraces it. A little 50 cent extra for all you, all you out there. Uh, the guy that coined the phrase old man in the scriptures lived a life perfect according to the law this isn't old man like i'm out kicking dogs and cheating on my taxes and rebelling yeah. the guy that coined that phrase yep nailed holiness nailed it yep as far as like a human being's ability on the outward yes on the outward living right the apostle paul nailed it the old man wants to stave off death. And like we always say, the old man dies hard. And I'm here to tell you yeah. that that is very, very true. You need to come to the end of your rope and have a Peter moment. You know, yep. there's those moments when reality sets in. You're not as faithful as you thought you were. You're not as religious as you thought you were. You're not You're not as good at this thing called life as you thought so you true. were. And here's Jesus waiting for you on the shore with yep. breakfast going in the skillet waiting for you to just sit down put his arm around you and tell you that he loves you yeah 
and never stopped. Never stopped. So to that man, to the end of these chapters in the book of John, I say to all of you larks out there and to you, my brother. Yes, bro. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.